the Corps of Engineers. Engineers must be oriented and adapted to a multitude of tasks. The Army Corps of Engineers is raising the dam by eight meters. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers lays out their response plan. We provide infrastructure assessment, temporary roofing, temporary emergency power. We help with debris assessment and removal operations. We also work with temporary housing. And he'll tell you there's no end to the types of services the engineers provide. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Building Strong Buffalo podcast. This is the place to get to know the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Buffalo District, our people, and our stories. My name is Jess Levinson, and I'm a public affairs specialist with the district. Today is a very special day. Not only are we having the Buffalo District change of command, but the commander of the Army Corps of Engineers, Great Lakes and Ohio River Division, Major General Robert F. Whittle Jr. is sitting with me right here. As division commander, he's responsible for delivering engineering and water resource solutions for the Great Lakes and Ohio River region, which covers 335,000 square miles and encompasses portions of 17 states. So let's jump right into it. Thanks for being on the podcast, sir. How are you today? Hey, Jess, I'm doing well. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Buffalo. I think it's perfect weather for the change of command. It's going to be outdoors uh, right there by the lock, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. We uh, started the morning with a nice run with the incoming and the outgoing commander. and went about five miles. Uh, a pace that was slightly, slightly longer than a, a nine-minute mile pace, and that was uh, I was the uh, the critical path there, so to speak. I think those guys would have been running probably eight-minute miles without me. But it was a great start to the morning. Do you consider yourself a runner? I uh, I enjoy running. I don't know if I it, so I I enjoy running. Uh, I don't know if I consider myself a runner. I think a runner is someone who uh, who's racing all the time and everything like that. But I, I've run a couple marathons. Uh, and and I just enjoy it. It's good for good for my head. Definitely clears the mind for sure. Yeah, it does. Do you do you uh, run or how do you work out? I run occasionally. I do sprints versus uh, long distance because it just hurts my my legs, my joints. Okay, yeah. So I don't enjoy sprints. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather run a little longer and a little slower. But uh, but yeah, definitely. I'm trying to get into into biking and swimming and, and rowing, like just broaden a little bit. Uh, I think as I, as I get older, uh, pounding, uh, pounding the road every day is probably not, not as good. So, so I'm broadening, broadening all that. So how are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Uh, this is a great opportunity. And it's also uh, kind of bittersweet because our leader for the past two years, Lieutenant Colonel Jason A. Toth, he is transitioning out of the district and he's also retiring, and Lieutenant Colonel Eli Adams is coming in, and so it's a it's a time of change for us. Yeah, it's always these change of commands are, oh, I think they're always tough. And you guys have had a great leader with Jason Toth, and uh, he's had an incredible Army career, twenty years of service. He uh, he commanded in combat as both a platoon leader, where you have about 30, 35 soldiers underneath your your command, really, and then as a company commander again with probably 120, 130 soldiers under his command. Uh, and so those are the toughest organizations to command in combat. I did that while he was very young in the Army. Uh, just a solid 20 years of service. And we're really thankful for everything that he's done. And we'd love to keep him forever. 
in the army, but we're grateful for the, the 20 prime years of his life that he gave in, in service. And uh, I think what we're going to find is in retirement, Jason's going to continue to be a leader in his community and in our nation and just doing great things for society. So in, in a way, I think we, we still have him. And, uh, and so he's got all my support as he goes forward. I'll do anything for him to help him succeed, you know, for the rest of his career and his life. That's awesome to hear. Um, he actually told me yesterday that he's considering starting a podcast of his own about engineering. <laughs> oh, so did you find out about that yesterday? Because he told me that a few weeks ago. Yeah, so I'm on to it. Yeah, I think uh, he, he would do great, wouldn't he? I'm sure you've had him on here. He's Full just got energy. such a nice personality. And uh, so, yeah, I have a feeling Jason's going to have about 100 projects going and in a short time, but while also just being a great, great father and, and husband. So, yeah. So we really appreciate you being here today. Uh, you've been through a few of these yourself from the U S army engineer school and the combat teams you've commanded. So I'm curious what thoughts and emotions are happening, you know, just speaking from your perspective, when you do hand over a command of, of a, a place in, in your your friends and people that you've really cared for, uh, how does that feel? I, yeah, so it's it's tough when you're, uh, we'll just start with the incoming commander since uh, since that's where the cycle begins really. As you, as you come into battalion command or, or district command here uh, in, at the lieutenant colonel level here in Buffalo district, this is the most significant job that you'll have in, in your career at that point. Your 18 years of service is when both of these commanders started at Buffalo District. Uh, they both actually graduated from West Point, so 18 years later, they start district command. And this is really, believe it or not, the first time in your career where your responsibility and your authority match up. Usually you're responsible for a whole bunch of stuff, but you don't really have the authority necessarily to carry it out. And at this level, the lieutenant colonel level, it all matches up. Uh, this is a you have an organization that size such that that over the course of two years, you really get the opportunity to get to know everyone in it. Uh, and you're still at that level where you can you can make some change at this level of leadership. So you go in and you're really excited and the Army's picked you. It's a centrally selected process. So. Not every lieutenant colonel gets to command a, a district or a battalion. And so these are very special people that, that get the opportunity. Uh, so it's really exciting when you come in and you get to meet all kinds of new people. And uh, I, I look back on it and, and just you know, I'm so excited for, for, you know, uh, for Eli Adams as he comes in. So then you, you put yourself in Jason Toast's shoes. He's been serving for, for two years now. Uh, he's had some great accomplishments here in Buffalo District, and I know today he'll explain that it's the district itself that accomplished these things. And of course, that's true, uh, but under his leadership. And so he's got two things going on, right? He's he's both leaving command and retiring from the Army. And so I think uh, definitely be a day of reflection uh, and, and, and pride. Uh, he's going to miss it all, but he's also excited about the opportunities ahead. Yeah, it's certainly a time for us to reflect and think about the future of our district as well. Um, so I want to talk about a different kind of ceremony a few years ago. It was at your promotion ceremony from colonel to general, and you sliced a cake with your saber. 
And I'm wondering, did you practice that beforehand? Did you have a few practice swings? I went through a few, uh, through a few cakes, right? We lined up about, about 10 of them up. So a tradition in the cavalry is, is that you, you cut the cake with your saber. And that can happen after a change of command or, or promotion ceremony. And the key is, is when you, when you cut the cake with your saber, you swing that saber in such a way as though you were going to cut the table in half. Uh, so that's what you saw there. Uh, you definitely want to line up. Some people have actually cut their hands because they, not with the saber or anything like that, but on the table by swinging too close. Because it is, you bring up a good point. It's not something that we do every day. But it's a lot of fun, and that's probably, you don't get to serve in the cavalry that often. It's probably the last time I'll get a chance to do that, cut a cake with a saber, unless I find a way to line that up again. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it's cool that you saw that video. <laughs> <laughs> You changed roles really recently as well. You were actually the deputy chief of engineers, second in command of the entire Army Corps of Engineers uh, from March to June, and that was during you know the COVID pandemic. So what was that experience like? It must have been pretty unique and, and special. Yeah, so uh, General Seminite called me in February and said, hey, will you, can you come up for a couple months because I have a gap between deputy commanding generals. Rick Kaiser was retiring. Uh, Dave Hill wasn't going to be on the ground for a while. Uh, so I came up and uh, I got there in late February, early March, and it was you know, very smooth. I was learning the roles and responsibilities. And of course, I was also at the same time commanding the Great Lakes and Ohio River Division. So I was doing two, two jobs at the same time. And then the, the COVID crisis hit. Governor Cuomo, your, your state governor here in New York, had an op-ed in the New York Times where he asked the president, hey, can you bring in the Corps of Engineers to help us get more hospital capacity? And so the Corps of Engineers started sprinting uh, and building alternate care facilities. And so I was just thrilled to be there for those 10 weeks and to, and to be able to help lead and, and respond to that, that crisis. I had a great time, Jess. Is there something specific that you learned that you could take away either from the experience of uh, being the deputy chief or the fact that you were having to manage your responsibilities as division commander as well at the same time? I, I mean, there's a ton of takeaways there. I Probably the best part of my experience was I was right on the other side of, uh, of the wall from General Seminite's office, and I was just able to see how he runs the the U.S. Army Corps of Engineer, Engineers and how he leads. Uh, and I've always been very impressed with him. Uh, but it, it's, he, he's an exponent of 10 better than I, even than I thought he was. Every minute of his day is designed to get something constructive done. Uh, it, if you look at his calendar, you, you, you don't even, I, I couldn't even begin to understand how he had the energy to execute everything that he was executing. So he's, a, he's the class of 79 out of West Point. Uh, so he, if, we, if we do the math and assume he was about 22 when he graduated, uh, then he's probably 63 years old. And you would think he was 22 still today with his energy level. So my huge, my biggest takeaway was just watching him work and trying to absorb as much as I could from, from how he does things. So it was, it was a really great uh, professional development, development experience. 
something that I learned from him just by watching him on video is he is able to really express who he is as a person even when he's on camera and that's like a very unique skill uh, to have to really um, know your audience and know that like your energy always has to be matching who you are and matching how to reach people at that level yeah well so he's 100 percent authentic yeah. right and uh so he doesn't have to change who he is when he gets on camera he's just the same person and that same energy that you see when you watch him on video it's the same energy he shows up at the office with uh how he energizes his front and back office staff and the extended staff and all of the commanders uh, so it really is something to behold he speaks in all caps yes and he writes that way too i don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen his emails but he he has a style where uh his own unique email style the subject line he'll change it to, when, when he receives an email he changes the subject line it, it, it'll say something like general seminite responds and then it has the rest of the subject and then inside it'll it'll have some all caps but it's not really when he does it it's not shouting but emphasis and so once you get to know his email style then you then you understand that yeah it's pretty neat you come from a military family uh your great uncle served in world war one your father in the national guard and your uncle served two tours in vietnam so i'm curious what it means to you to be where you are today yeah so i when you uh when you mentioned that, like, I never really thought of myself as coming from a military family, but, but you're right, based on, and I'm impressed that you found those, those facts. Uh, but yeah, so I, uh, my son, I, I figure my son, he comes from a military family. It's all he knows, right? His whole life has been while I've been in uniform, but I, there is a military tradition in my family. Uh, and that's what drove me into the army. So neither of my parents went to college uh and so i and as as you know i grew up on a farm in in mystic connecticut and that farm's been in the family for generations and so i really felt like there there was a lot of pressure for me to stay home and take the farm over and not go to college uh and what actually ended up driving me into the army was i figured out that there was a school called west point during a class i had in high school called career exploration and that it was an army school, it was also a college, and that when you graduated, you were in the army. My dad was very proud of his service in the army, and I knew that this was a way I could go to college and he'd be proud of me. In my family, there was a, people would show up in ties, right, and, and they're trying to sell fertilizer or, or different things to the farm, and it might, you know, my dad would always be like, oh, he's some college grad with a tie, and so I was like, wow, he does not like college. And so eventually I told my dad, I'm like, hey, I want to go to this school called West Point. And, uh, and at that time, we were actually, we're, we're in the woods. I remember it very clearly. We, were, uh, we had the chainsaws going. We had just taken a break and we were drinking out of this big gallon of water that we brought out there and explained to him I wanted to go to school. And, uh, and I'd found a school called West Point. And, and he said, my parents called me Teddy because I'm a junior and uh, his name's Bob, my name's Bob. He's like, Teddy, I always thought you'd go to college. You know, you're doing, you're doing well. I always thought you'd go to college. You can go to any school you want to. And I had no idea that that was what he thought. It just shows teenage and parent communication and how that goes sometimes. And when he said that, 
I, j I actually broke down crying at that moment, just knowing that the door was open for me to go to school. Ended up joining the Army anyway, and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, so. there's, there's really nothing better than being able to have that good relationship and, and know that parent and child are like, they just want what's best for each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, and then as a parent, I've discovered the same thing. You believe your kids know what what you're thinking and, and what you want, but you've got to communicate, communicate, communicate to make sure they know that really is what you mean. And so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. Thanks for asking about that. So does your family have any military uh, experience at all? My dad was in the Air Force uh, as a reserve. That is that is pretty much the extent beyond um, like grandparents serving in World War II. Okay, well, I, I would like to point out that you're in the Army. You've been in the Army really since high school. So you started out, yeah, I mean, you started out working with the New England District when you were a high school student, right? So, yeah, so our great civilian workforce in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, every one of them is in the Army and every one of them is serving. Uh, in fact, many of them serve in Iraq, Afghanistan. They've gone to Bosnia, Kosovo. Uh, it's really amazing, and so, and we're really proud of that civilian workforce. Yeah, that's a great segue because talking from military families to the civilian workforce uh, who are former military at USACE, um, there's a widely held perception that, that the public doesn't understand the problems faced by those in the military. And in USACE, our workforce is in this unique situation where we have mostly civilians uh, many of whom were uh, in the military. So how does our organization, how do our people fit into helping bridge the divide? Right. So, well, first, I know there's a lot of people who have a, a, a belief that there is a divide. And I read about that in the media, and I've seen people in the military say that. I've seen academics say it. I don't know if I necessarily believe it. Uh, everywhere that I've been in the United States, people are so supportive of the military, it's amazing. So if you're on a, a plane or a train and you talk to the person next to you, everyone's very supportive. If you're in uniform and you go anywhere, people will say thank you uh, for your service. And, and I, my reply is, well, thanks for your support. It's, you know, it's an honor and I love, I love my job. Uh, but I find Americans to be very, very supportive of the military. And so I don't necessarily agree with the thesis that there is a divide. Uh, I think there's some people who don't know a lot about what the military can do for them. Uh, they don't realize if, that if their kid's finishing up high school, he's not sure about college, or if they don't have money for college, that if their son or daughter enlists in the military and serves a few years, that the GI Bill will then pay for college. I mean, it's like a four-year scholarship. If you just join the army and serve for a few years, it's amazing. But and I don't think people know necessarily what all those opportunities are. And so now you do make a great point. And, and, and one thing that I agree with everybody on is we can do more to talk about the military and, and what, what its purpose is, what it does for America. And, and the role that our many Corps of Engineer employees have on that is simply telling their story. Uh, so if you're a lock master, you know, go out and share with people that you're in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and what your job consists of and the history of waterways and, and how the Corps of Engineers really helped uh, build America and started in 1775, one year before the 
nation even existed. Uh, there's so much to tell. And, and to let people know, you can join the Corps of Engineers and not even be in uniform, right? The vast majority of the 37,000 employees in the Corps of Engineers are civilian, like about 35,000 of them are in civilian clothes. And, and, uh, and they, it, they're tremendous. So there's more that we can do to talk to, to Americans. But again, I just, I personally disagree with the divide piece because I just see support everywhere I go. It's more so we could do some more education, but it's not like there's a, a gap that's so significant that's causing a, a rift between people. I, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree. I think, uh, I think we're lined, we're lined up. There's just more, it'd be great if we could get everyone in America to completely understand what we do in the military and then maybe then be more supportive of their own family members joining. That's probably the main thing. I'm going to take it back to, uh, Colonel Toth, uh, and the fact that we're having our change of command. What are his and the district's major accomplishments over the past two years? First of all, I just want to tell you, I love coming up here to uh, Buffalo District. And the truth is, this is my second time here. Uh, and I'm going to try to come again in the next few months because it's just that you guys have a great group of people that work in the district, fantastic projects that you're doing. So I look forward to coming up again. Uh, but here's just a few of the wonderful things that the district's accomplished under Colonel Toast's uh, leadership. So, uh, you know, first of all, you guys just delivered the largest program in district hi history, $165 million in, in fiscal year 19, um, including a record operations program that involved dredging a record 3.3 million uh, cubic yards. Uh, there's 18 construction projects uh, that have been completed or ongoing, uh, the most constructive activity in this district in many years. You guys rehabilitated both the upper and, and lower gates of, of Black Rock Lock. Um, you've got some irreversible momentum going right now. I know everybody's going to be happy you know, to hear that, and that towards a new district headquarters facility. That the, it's, that's the closest this district's had to having an adequate headquarters facility in about 40 years. So we're very supportive of that at Great Lakes and Ohio River Division headquarters. And I can't even imagine, I mean, just the, the, the district's got really high morale now. Wait until uh, you guys have a headquarters that's befitting of, of this great district. We're very excited about that. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I bet. And uh, you guys have awarded construction contracts now for two supplemental projects for for 2018 supplemental in support of uh, hurricane recovery. Uh, both of those are undergoing construction right now. And you guys were named, uh, you know, best place to work by the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, uh, the highest engagement results out of the 43 districts in the Corps of Engineers. Heck yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just really, really amazing. Uh, the districts underwent an effort to conduct 28 facility assessments across 14 sites in less than two weeks uh, for vertical construction of 5,600 patient care spaces for COVID-19 patient care. So on no notice, uh, when, when this COVID crisis struck, uh, your district went out and did 28 facility assessments. And so, and you guys did all that without any COVID-19 positives. So while the rest of the world was huddled, right, in their homes, like, as, they, as they should be based on state and local orders, you guys were out and about assessing things and still not 
contracting the disease because you took good good mitigation um, and I'll, I'll leave it at that but i'm um, just really proud of everything jason's done and, and that this district has done yeah we're super proud of where we've been and where we're going where do you see the buffalo district helping to engineer solutions for the nation's toughest challenges in the years to come when i think about buffalo district i really think of uh expertise in many areas but there's a couple that that stand out the you know formerly used uh defense sites the FUSRAP program uh remediating those you guys are the experts in the corps of engineers at that i mean there's no one better than the buffalo district uh and you you do amazing work uh you set the standard and so you really open the door for the rest of USACE, just lending that expertise across USACE so that everybody can can help to get that right I, I'm amazed at what you do. I just had a briefing uh, just last week on Niagara Falls storage site and, and the work that you guys have done there and the way you've communicated with the public, uh, the way you've uh, remediated any issues there. So uh, the, other, the other area is just beneficial use of dredge material. Uh, you guys have really led the way for the entire U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in, in beneficial use. And so this is dredge material, of course, that comes from... Uh, rivers and harbors as we dredge and and make sure that we have uh, enough room for ships to be able to use those rivers and harbors uh, again over the course of time years and years ago we the, we had polluted these rivers and harbors not the corps of engineers but uh, unfortunately this nation um, so as we dredge material there were some contaminants as we dredge more and more there's less and less and we have more opportunities to use that material beneficially and you all have been figuring that out for us awesome thank you for uh believing in us and and helping us along the way so uh with that i i had an amazing time with you here today thank you so much again for supporting us and i hope you have fun at the change of command well jess thanks i appreciate that hey meyer uh do you have that uh that coin handy oh my goodness oh my goodness so while while we're on the net jess we're going to present you with our uh Great Lakes and Ohio River Division coin. So we just revamped this one. It, it used to look like a castle, and now it's got the uh, Civil Works boundaries oh, on beautiful. one side, and on the back it says "For Excellence." They're all numbered. This one's number one hundred and twenty-one, uh, and it actually is designed that you can open a bottle with it as well. So if you, you know, if Sweet. you have a, a Coke or a Bud Light that you need to get the cap <laughs> off of. Uh, you can you can use this coin. So congratulations and thanks for your great work with public affairs, this podcast, and for being in the Corps of Engineers in the Army since high school. This is amazing. This is an honor. All right, guys. With with that, I'm gonna end the podcast and and revel in this coin. And uh, maybe we'll post a picture of it too. All right. Sounds good. Okay, thanks, thanks Jeff. Sir. Bye-bye.